When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin live from the TCO Performance Center following the draft pick of Mike Hughes from the University of Central Florida. And Courtney, why don't you just give me your reaction to the Vikings selecting Mike Hughes? Well, I think it's funny because I was typing really quickly and making sure uh, that I had everything right. And it turns out that I said, you know, in my tweet, Mike Hughes from UFC. And it kind of is fitting because he's such a physical press corner. And I, you know, I'm definitely making some inroads here with all of these uh, strange analogies that I come up with. But I think it is a good pick um, for a number of reasons. I mean, we know how good Mike Zimmer is at develop, uh, developing, you know, corners regardless of where they're at uh, in their in their process. I mean, you saw what Xavier Rhodes did when he came in in 2013, probably a little bit further along than Trey Waynes was, but you know, within that two to three year period, regardless of where both of them came in and where they started, they both became starters in that secondary and, you know, huge assets on the outside for the Vikings. So I like this pick. Um, I kind of figured I had a few mock drafts. One, the one that I did for the NFL nation mock draft last week or a couple days ago was um, Frank Ragnow. I I projected him at 30. Obviously there was a run on offensive linemen and we can talk about that, but I had another one. The Philadelphia Eagles actually reached out to me um, for whatever reason and asked me where I'd like to, you know, if I'd like to pick. And I picked Josh Jackson in that one because that was a name that I had heard pop up and it makes sense. Of course, the offensive line's a need. Of course, finding your next three technique tackle be a Sheldon Richardson could be out the, the door next year. That's a need. But you have to wonder about how long Trey Waynes is going to be here beyond whether he signs that fifth-year option. How much longer is Terrence Newman going to be here if he even comes back at all? And that's why I think when they say best player available, whether you really believe that or not, 
Um, for the value, that was the smartest pick that they could have made at 30, knowing that the depth of the offensive line, and even with several defensive tackle prospects, uh, will still be there early in round two. And Mike Zimmer did leave the door open still for the possibility of Terrence Newman coming back. It may be a money issue. It may be Newman trying to decide what his future is, or the Vikings simply wanting to see what their other options may be. So as far as where Mike Hughes fits in, uh, there was no commitment whatsoever to him playing the nickel and it really sounded like Zimmer wouldn't be immediately comfortable with that unless Mike Hughes showed him that he could really grasp the defense fast because he was talking a lot about how complex it is to play that position and how you have to process things quickly and there's zone concepts that you need to understand in Zimmer's defense and we saw Mackenzie Alexander struggle with that and even Trey Waynes when he was first drafted Zimmer tried to put him into the nickel spot and it wasn't easy it's required uh, it seems a veteran guy to be in that spot in the Mike Zimmer defense so I wouldn't expect that it was very interesting to hear Zimmer talk about potentially using four cornerbacks on the field at one time and I guess what I wonder about this pick is just what it means for everybody who's there now, not named Xavier Rhodes. So what it means for Trey Waynes, what it means for Mackenzie Alexander. Well, I'll start with Mackenzie because I asked Mike about that wondering in terms of competition, uh, what this does in camp. And he said, you know, point blank, you know, this wasn't a pick that they made uh, to push Mackenzie Alexander. Now, whether you believe that or not, this is obviously going to create some sort of competition, which is healthy and good. Mackenzie Alexander got beat out by a 39-year-old in training camp last year, and Terrence Newman, uh, when he was, you know, in the second going into his second year, really hoped to grab hold of that outs of the, uh, you know, of the slot role for the slot corner position. But you know. He was an outside corner in college, and, I mean, that's where he was, you know, projected, and, you know, that's why, you know, so many teams had him so high up there in the second round, and we saw the struggles that he had at that position uh, to be able to grab hold of that. So I think that maybe they've kind of learned some of the mistakes and how to flush that out uh, with a guy like Mike Hughes, who they really don't see, and there isn't a need right now to force him into any sort of role. But you bring up Trey Wayne's, So May 3rd is coming around next week or whatever. So they have up until that deadline to pick up his fifth-year option and to see whether they're going to be able to keep him, um, you know, for the – obviously for the 2018 season. But up after that, I mean, I – do think it's pretty obvious that they will pick up his option. I don't see why they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it's everything's kind of up in the air. Maybe he'll bet on himself. Maybe he'll, you know, have a really great year this year and they won't be able to afford to keep him. So maybe that's getting a guy like Mike Hughes in place to either take that outside corner role next year or maybe Mackenzie Alexander takes that role and then Mike Hughes fits in uh at the nickel corner position because I don't believe uh I don't believe Terrence Newman will be playing at 41 years old, um, you know, playing. And I do think if he comes back this year, one thing that Mike obviously didn't address now is maybe he comes back in more of that DB role Mm -hmm. where he can fit, you know, a number of different positions because he's done it. Um, One thing that is kind of interesting, though, is how much high praise they put on Mike Hughes for what he can do in the uh, kick return and punt return game. Um, The last time they spent a very high draft pick on uh, somebody who was really good at that was a couple of years ago with Corderell Patterson. Um, And they haven't had an explosive return game since then. So this will probably push, push Marcus Sherrill's in that spot. And that'll create some good, you know, because Jarek McKinnon really never, 
grabbed hold of that mm-hmm. last year. So I think that this is something where you could see a little bit more of that and actually see them be more explosive than they were in 2017. Every year we go into camp asking if this is the year Marcus Sherrill's ends up getting cut. And it's never the year because it turns out punt returning is really, really hard. And, and we'll see. Hughes was very good at it in college. If he can win that job, or at least if they get something out of the kick returns, They've gone really far down in the NFL, but it still has some relevance if you're getting 20, 30 returns. They got absolutely nothing out of that spot last year. But I'm looking at Wayne's situation, too. The fifth-year option is pretty expensive to pick up. And as well as Trey Wayne's played last year, if they decided not to, it really would surprise me because you've as you mentioned, teams always do this. Unless and, and, you're the Bears. Or unless there was a big problem. I mean, like with Cordero Patterson, there was a big problem. And I mean, with him it's going a $9 million dollar option, roughly in that range. Well, the, and so for me, I think that that's. I don't see why you wouldn't do it for a short term benefit to keep this defense together and to keep that secondary together. But as far as the long term, Rick Spielman has mentioned before that they are always looking a couple of years down the road with everything and cornerbacks have driven Mike Zimmer's success here as as much as the defensive line has and it's become one of the most valuable positions in the entire NFL and so you had this situation with tonight's draft where all these quarterbacks went at the top and that pushed everybody else down the board I think Mike Hughes was probably a better prospect than this or would have gone a little bit higher had there not been all those quarterbacks going at the top. So you had Jair Alexander was the first off the board. And then here, if I'm not mistaken, you get the second corner, right? So, I mean, getting the second corner in the entire draft, as far as your value goes, is a huge win. Now, moving to the guys that they did not draft, though, you have James Daniels, you had Will Hernandez, a couple of other guys who are pretty good prospects sitting on the board. They decide not to go offensive line with their biggest immediate need. What do you make of them rolling the dice and waiting on offensive line? I think at first it was kind of like, okay, maybe you're going to trade up here because once you start seeing that run go where I thought Detroit came in kind of out of nowhere, um, I was expecting them to take Taven Bryan at 20. Um, and he's still – no, he went to uh, Jacksonville. Yes. He went to Jacksonville right before, yep, right right before, before the, the Vikings. Vikings at 29. But, you know, when then it's, you know – you know, with with them taking Frank Rag now, and then it's Billy Price, and then Isaiah Wynn comes off the board. Okay, you're wondering, all right, if there's a few more linemen, are they going to want to draft up potentially? Which I didn't really think was too big of a concern. I know Rick Spielman said that they were fielding about five to six calls, um, you know, or a few a number of calls about five to six spots before they picked. And once once they went on the clock at 30, they weren't having any. There was no movement, no calls, and they weren't really sure if they were going to try to trade out anyways at that point because they felt the value at 30, you know, you pick up that fifth-year option or you have the option eventually of, you know, giving a guy his fifth-year option, which I think is huge. Um, to me, this, you know, offensive line class, as we said, we expected seven to eight guys, um, you know, kind of right away in the first few rounds. And, you know, you see Colton Miller, I think, go a lot higher than most people expected, um, you know, in the top 20. Uh, Mike McGlinchey was right around where expected, obviously, Quentin Nelson, too. But this leaves guys, like, as you said, James Daniels, Will Hernandez, um, Connor Williams, uh, Austin Corbett, uh, Braden Smith. And for me, 
I'm looking at the best fit. I don't think Will Hernandez is the best fit for this offensive line, for this outside zone blocking scheme. I do think that James Daniels, as much as they really honestly wanted Frank Ragnow, and that was probably a huge disappointment, this guy has 34-inch arms. I mean, he's, you know, he's a big dude, and he has that length and athleticism that for a guy in the interior and that footwork – that's important. He's 6'3", so he's above the kind of 6'2 mold that, you know, they worry about durability. Um, I think that it's a huge – that would be a huge benefit if they go after him earlier in the third round, though, because Rick kind of left the door open tonight saying possibly trade up, possibly trade down. Mm-hmm. I don't think you land land James Daniels at 62, which is where they're picking in the second round. I think that you have to get into, you know, high 30s, early 40s. And Mike Mayock had James Daniels as a top 20 prospect. Most people had him as the first center off the board. Like, Frank Ragnow was kind of this, like, you know, stealthily the last few months. I mean, but then again, it's like, dude, 6'5". Like, he's got length that is, I think I've, you know, beating this like a dead horse. That length will not be there in the later rounds, which is why, you know, everything I was told that, it's a joke. Of course the guy's not going to be there at 62. This is a first-round pick for a reason. Yeah, and with Daniels, it is a surprise that he makes it all the way through the end of the first round. But I think what's interesting about this first round for the Vikings is how many different ways they could have gone and had people be pretty happy with them, with whether it was fill it with the offensive line or go with a cornerback, Josh Jackson, if he had been taken. That is one I was surprised about, to be honest with you. I thought Jackson was going to go before Mike Hughes. Because he had just such spectacular production. I mean, I know that's the thing. With outside of Jair Alexander, like, you know, and I mean, it's a lot of times with corners in college regardless, like whether you're a first-round pick or a second-round pick, these guys are developmental prospects. I mean, you know, what Mike Zimmer said, you know, kind of, he's like, you know, his, pre- his press technique is a little bit different than the ones that they're going to teach him. But if you, you know, like a baseball, like a pitcher, if he throws it one way and it works, you're not really going to change too much of his game. There are things that they like about him and, you know, kind of that off technique that will be there and that's fine, but there's so much work to do. And I think regardless, Josh Jackson, uh, the guy, Dante Jackson, the guy from LSU, mm-hmm. um, and obviously Mike Hughes, there's all work to be done. So I will be curious to see once we you know get around him a little bit and get to figure out when they roll the dice, because Josh Jackson was there and I expected him to go in the twenties. Um, you know, if he didn't follow the Vikings, which obviously he was there, um, I'm kind of surprised that they did, you know, why they weighed, I'd like to know more of why they weighed one over the other, but I can, I interrupted you. I apologize. So no, that's okay. I, so I saw that, uh, the immediate grade for the Vikings, I believe it was from CBS was a B, B right? Yeah. I mean, everybody gets a B don't they? What do you got to do to get an A? I mean, there's also fleece been... the for, uh, fleece the Chicago Bears like the 49ers did last year. They weren't taking Trubisky. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that was that's that one was a way. good one. But I mean, the grades are preposterous to yeah. begin with. Just even as a concept, grading it after it happens, the famous Seattle Seahawks getting what was it F's and C minuses when they drafted Russell Wilson. Well, I guess that worked out okay. But they, now... they needed. <laughs> Seattle, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know either with the, the running the back. The running back, uh, Rashad Penny, don't you need to get an offensive lineman to protect your, you know, Pro Bowl quarterback? Yes. I was quite and concerned. A, a wide receiver to replace Paul Richardson, too. Yeah. There were plenty of options. You can that, fix your defense, that too. Was, that was a bizarre uh, decision there by Seattle. But they've made a number of those recently. 
Um, but w- with the rest of the draft, that's what will determine how I grade the first round pick. Because if you decide to pass on the offensive lineman in the first round and you don't come away with a quality starter in the next two rounds or it doesn't work out, and let's say Will Hernandez becomes a superstar and he's in the Pro Bowl every year, or James Daniels does, and those guys get taken early, then we will look back and say, ah, yeah, you know, you got your luxury pick, but you passed up on some really good prospects. I thought if it was one of those four guys, if it was if it was Ragnow or if it was uh, Daniels or Hernandez, who's the one? I'm, oh, Wynn. Isaiah Wynn yeah. went to the Patriots. I thought if it was one of those four guys that they would go with the offensive linemen. So it did surprise me a little that they passed on those two to move on. And that will be the what if ultimately of this draft. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they haven't drafted an offensive lineman in the first round since Matt Khalil. And I know that that obviously didn't work out, but this depth the depth of this year's guard class and interior is so it's so critical and once it started running um it's almost kind of like i you know I, I expected them to try to grab somebody but then again it's like you wonder okay so you take a look at the top you know the top picks that they're going to have tomorrow and who's starting out at 33 i do think that if they trade up they can mm-hmm. get you know they can get good value for a guy like, you know, even an Austin Corbett, who I think that that might be available to them at 62. I but think he's a nice player. Too. I do, too. I think that he's probably one of the biggest sleepers in this guard class. But, you know, certainly if you want James Daniels, you have to trade up. I think that, you know, with Connor Williams, too, that would probably be in that category. Um, Braden Smith, Austin Corbett. Um, I'm not saying Will Hernandez because I just don't think he's a fit. But I know that there is kind of the, you know, there's the rub. Like, well, what if he's still there? He is best available player, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I don't see it as a fit, and I'm not an offensive line coach, so I don't know how difficult that would be to mesh him into your scheme when he should be playing in a place like Oakland, to be honest. Yeah, I feel you on that. I look at his athleticism and think that he probably could adapt. Yeah, there's no no doubt in that. So, I mean, with his... 40 time and the numbers that he put up at the combine, I think, well, I mean, if, if it takes the athleticism to get out there, but blocking in space is such a huge deal in this offense. And that just means when you're running on a screen or it's one of the outside zone blocks that you mentioned, finding the linebacker, finding the safety and being able to eliminate them. And Daniels was somebody who was probably better than Will Hernandez at that. And when I did my five guys who would be the best fit for the Viking scheme, I didn't include Hernandez for the same reasons that you're mentioning. I think it would be okay because he's so big and nasty, but he's not the perfect fit. Um, Last thing, just as we analyze what happened tonight, I will tell you my biggest winner of the entire evening. I think that was the Arizona Cardinals landing Josh Rosen, and they didn't have to give up that much to move up. I cannot believe he dropped as far as he did, considering that Josh Allen went before him. And I think it showed you a little bit about just the NFL in general and how messed up their priorities can be when Josh Allen, who was not good in college, that that is mind-blowing that someone who was not good in college gets drafted as high as he did from a team who traded up and then has racist tweets that are revealed 
and he still doesn't drop in the draft. And Josh Rosen, criticized for being too smart and having the most NFL-ready footwork and skills and a great arm and great numbers at UCLA ends up dropping. So congratulations to Arizona because they got their replacement if Sam Bradford wins the job or they could trade Sam Bradford if Rosen is great right away. They have lots of options there, and they appear to have gotten a franchise quarterback who deserved to go number one for just what he did on the football field and his makeup and yet goes to 10 for other reasons that don't seem to have a lot of effect on football. And at the end of the day, when we look at this class, because I think we're tied now, how many how many went in 83? Was it six or was it five? I think it might have been six because five went tonight because Lamar Jackson – um, you know, fell there at the very end. Yes, Baltimore also a big winner for them. Yeah, well, I was ex- – remember when we looked at each other when they were getting a wide receiver and we are just like – Hayden Hurst, yeah, the tight end. Tight Hayden end, Hurst, yeah. Right. I was like, um, you guys realize Joe Flacco isn't going to play forever. But right. then, you know, you look at – I thought first Lamar Jackson was going to go to the Cardinals because I really thought that um, Rosen was going to be gone before he even got there because I think you know, the Dolphins didn't take a quarterback. Uh, they took Minka Fitzpatrick. Yes. So that's where I thought, you know, with the order, you know, Mayfield, Darnold, and then I thought um, Allen Rosen, either interchangeable, but that, you know, Dolphins would snatch up one, Cardinals would snatch up the other. And then you start seeing the Saints trade. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is a quarterback-worthy trade. And they go and get an edge rusher. I mean, those are important. Those are absolutely important. You need those guys, but you also need somebody who's going to replace Drew Brees eventually. And there was so much buzz around Lamar Jackson and Drew Brees that we have talked about on this podcast dating back to February or even mm-hmm. before that. I was certain that was the move when they traded Me too. Up. Given how much they were trading, I was shocked. But, you know, priorities in this league, I mean, you know, these front offices, they, you know, it just it's amazing to see how tonight unfolded which you know i think we'll look back at it i don't know if it was as nuts as we thought it would be like you know four quarterbacks going in the top 10 um top 10 top 15 um you know that's two beaks top yeah top 15 to be expected but um i think you know i think you're right i think arizona did win the draft tonight i'd say that i don't know what seattle's doing um you know but but there's some there there were some really good picks today, but there's still it's it's crazy with the depth of not only the offensive line as Rick Spielman mentioned, they're you know, Maurice Hurst, defensive tackle, still available. Uh, you know, potentially the Vikings want to go that route, you know, to find another three technique um tomorrow. So I mean there's there's a lot there's a lot going on here and I think day two and day three will be, you know, a lot more action for the Minnesota Vikings. And Nathan Shepard from Fort Hayes State yep. put his name also on the list. B.J. Hill is another guy for three technique or defensive tackles um, that they could be interested in. So uh, that just what I said before, I'll kind of just say again to wrap my thoughts for tonight is you like – that they got a corner because it's a valuable position and because you're not sure where things are going down the road or with Alexander. But if some of these linemen turn out to be really, really good, we may ultimately look back and say, ah, you got this guy or you got that guy, but you missed out on Hernandez or you missed out on Daniels because you went with the luxury pick instead. And that's going to determine how long-term we end up feeling about this. Yep. And, you know, a corner is always a good investment if you, if Mike Zimmer is your head coach. And, you know, you'd have to imagine, too, that there is some push and pull there. They did spend $84 million on a quarterback. And <laughs> right. I do think that you should probably protect him mm-hmm. if you're spending that much money. But you let offense win the offseason 
to a degree. Sheldon Richardson was definitely a win for this defense, but fulfilling that priority now, I mean, it's out of the way. You don't have to worry about it. And whether, you know, Terrence Newman comes back or not, you still have an extra player there to be able to get into this rotation. And maybe, you know, I think he's a solid third option. I think he will push Mackenzie Alexander regardless of what's said. Um, and, you know, I think it's a good it's a good sign for this defense because we know that the next big need um, in that secondary is finding, you know, finding the future at safety, you know, and, opposite Harrison Smith. Uh, definitely agree with that. And uh, credit to Jed Zolgad for the day that they signed Kirk Cousins. He said they're going to draft defense number one because they have to apologize to Zimmer for spending <laughs> so much on a quarterback. Exactly. So uh, we will be back after day two to break down all the things that happened and presumably the offensive or defensive lineman they pick up, the wild card also being a tight end. Yep. Dallas, Dallas Goddard. He's still around. Mike Jacecki. Um, who else? My, Hayden Hurst went early. Andrews. Andrews. Mark Andrews from around? Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to see that because they need that in this offense, as we know. Very realistic possibility they go that way, or we could have trades, so we will talk about it all then. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.